As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It was a difficult game from the start and uh, today we, we have seen the, the difference uh, between the two teams. I think Chelsea showed to be uh, much better than uh, than us. Hello, everybody. I'm Danny Kelly. This is the Athletics View from the Lane podcast, and with me today is uh, the Athletics Charlie Eccleshare and James Moore. It's a few hours and one troubled night's sleep since the first leg of the Carabao Cup against Chelsea. And where the hell do we start? Listen, I've got a speech to make about it, but I'd truly rather hear from our, from our other correspondents. So, James, you're the other Spurs fan on the firm. That was god-awful. Yeah, <laughs> it really was. I, I can't think... I mean, Spurs obviously have a fairly dismal record in semi-finals over the last sort of two decades or so, three decades, actually. But I can't think of one where they've played with so little kind of oomph. Like, you know, they, they would have played, you know, for example, the one they won against Chelsea in 2002, 20 years ago, I think they went to Stanford Bridge. And Chelsea were not, were they, you know, they weren't European champions at that point, no. but they were a much better team than Spurs. And Spurs were a lot worse than Spurs are now, clearly. And they went there and lost that game. Really? To, to, I think so. <laughs> no, 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 they are. They they were, yeah. They turned the century. We, we were, yeah. we were bring, bringing in free transfers from very old places. Yes, I, yeah. I, I accept that, yeah. And they lost. They lost that game two one. And I seem to remember them kind of playing up to the level rather than kind of playing down. And that was the thing that really baffled me yesterday. And I suppose that's kind of carried over from the last two games. That having kind of gone through this kind of resurgence under Conte and, and kind of everything feeling so positive, and suddenly uh, everyone being really optimistic about what this season could be, it, it's just felt like the the kind of windus has totally been knocked out of the club's sails really quickly. Yeah, and I, I know a lot of those shortcomings were kind of, you know, we were kind of papering over the cracks slightly with wins over Brentford and Norwich and whoever else. But against Liverpool and West Ham, two decent teams, that like they played well and got positive results, and it kind of felt like that was quite a big step. But yeah, since then it's just been so sort of sluggish. I, I really, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't want to kind of hammer Conte, but I was quite surprised that. Hang on, I'm just trying to don't don't want to hammer Conte. (laughs) I'll be using that against you in a future day, I promise you. Without without Dyer, though, I was just really surprised that, you know, that there's no natural passer in that defensive three as they started. And then to not play Winks in that situation to me seemed crazy. 
Charlie, Charlie, let me let me say that your view in, in this as a, as a neutral is very very valuable. But I'm just going to double down a little bit, if I may, <laughs> on what James had to say there. I was fearing this game anyway. Spurs' record at Chelsea, I think that's one win in 36 attempts um, at Stamford Bridge. And I was fearing this game because Chelsea are the champions of Europe and Spurs are still some considerable way off of them. Let's take those two things for granted. When I saw the team, I knew Spurs were going to be terrible and I knew exactly. And I'm not pretending after the event. That team, that team, Antonio, was ridiculous. And here's why it was ridiculous. If you don't have any footballing centre-halves, you can't play three at the back. It's as simple as that. You cannot play Doherty, a player who knows that you don't rate him, whose teammates know that you don't rate him, out of position against a really good team. Then you play two defensive midfielders, meaning that you've now got seven of your ten outfield players are defensive, out of position, or no good at the moment, or no good permanently. How do you expect to get the ball to the front three? If you don't have the players to play that system of yours, to which you appear to be either the inventor or have shares in, if you don't have the players to play it, don't play it. And whatever happened to Eric Dyer means that you have to play four at the back with Davis at left back, someone who's comfortable in that position. Then you could have played Winks and the, the uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum in centre midfield and given Chelsea at least a proper game. You've got youth team players. Put one of them on the bench in case he has an inspired moment as one of the five substitutes. It was a ridiculous selection. Charlie, what did you make of the game? <laughs> well, I, I, spent, I spent last night trying to unpick... Uh, a, a rant by um, you know a footballing expert, and here we go again. I, I've I've got to offer the counterpoint. Sure I mean, he didn't have. So so your issues are that he should have. He sh you think he's too weathered to three at the back. I guess the counterpoint there is that this is the system they all know, and that's his default. Would we? Would you be saying the same thing if a manager's default was a four-two-three-one, which we think of as the default? Would you be saying I cannot believe he hasn't switched to three at the back for this game? I cannot believe it when he doesn't have, you know, the fullbacks available. He did it himself at half time. Um, yeah. And Spurs looked yeah. a bit better, but I'm not taking any credit for that because, of course, Chelsea by that stage were managing the game. They were holding, like in a cartoon, they were holding Spurs by the head and letting them swing mm. away rather pointlessly. And to be, you know, credit to the players, the manager, whoever it was, at least they got stuck in in the second half. Doherty playing at left wing back instead of Regulon. I admit that does seem strange. I wonder if there's something. Um, there must be a fitness thing there, surely. I just can't yeah, see from you a fitness point of view. It's very hard to imagine that anyone, let alone someone as good and experienced as Conte, would think that Matt Doherty, who doesn't even play that position and is a lot, lot worse than Regulon, uh, is a better option. Then on the central, mid central midfield, what I would say on that, as stodgy as uh, Skipper and Hoybier can be, in Conte's eight league games, mm -hmm. and they've largely played with those two, they've conceded four goals. And that's a defence that has been extremely ropey over the last year or so. And I imagine Conte would make the point that I don't necessarily want to be playing with this pair. It's not how I see it long term, but it's the least bad option I have. And it's the only way to protect this bad defense. And once that defense is even more decimated with Diane Romero out of the team, I'm sure he would have thought, well, they need as much protection as I can give them. I'm going to play these two. And there is a degree of logic because had he played in Dombele or Lo Celso or even Winks and they'd been more exposed, we'd be saying, what are you doing? 
You've, you've got a defensive midfield partnership that works. Yeah, it's not the most creative, but it protects the defence. They're not conceding goals. Why would you go to Stanford Bridge and change that and leave your defence more exposed? So those are the counterfactuals. I don't think... I mean, ultimately, does it not come down to, on a lot of levels, the fact that their players last night were a lot, lot worse? And I know Chelsea were missing a lot of players, but they are the champions of Europe. They've been with Tuchel for a year and you know they've shown the benefits of that. I don't know. They lost 2-0. It could have been a lot, lot worse. I'm not denying that. Yeah. But I don't know if that's necessarily to do with the failure of selection. I don't think the selections were great, but I'm not sure that's why they lost this game 2-0. Okay. Well, I mean, look, they started off, Chelsea. the goal Chelsea got up to, what was it, five, six minutes, um, was at their third really dangerous attack. Just, I thought Spurs started very nervously because the selection went around them. I thought Chelsea started very confidently because they could see... Well, look at that back five. We'll, we'll, we'll win this game. And let me just, just say, I hear all the contrafactuals, and I can't argue with you, Charlie, but the proof is what happened on the actual pitch. Chelsea's yeah. first goal comes from a free kick. The free kick was conceded because, uh, because Doherty played a terrible pass at the far at the other end of the pitch. They had a quick breakaway. Spurs had to bring down the, the Chelsea player was carrying the ball. I'm not blaming him personally, Matt Doherty, because I don't think he should be on the pitch in the kind of form he's in, in a semi-final, out of position. But he lost the ball. I swore under my breath when I saw it. We gave away a foul in the dangerous position. Chelsea scored. <sighs> but, but, I, but I can just so imagine a world in which Chelsea had switched the four at the back and conceded an early goal. And the debate is, how can you go to Stamford Bridge and switch a system that you've played in all of Conte's matches so far that has been working, even though performances haven't always been great, but results have been. How can you switch the system for such an important game? How can you make the players do that Stamford Bridge, their lambs to the slaughter? I, I, I hear you, you know, and one, one remembers Son playing left wing back against Chelsea as well, <laughs> you know, and how that even that wound, there's still a scab, it hasn't quite healed either but we're, we, what we're arguing here uh, we've got to be careful Charlie because you're arguing about what might have happened I'm telling you about what um, we were talking about what actually happened but of course but there needs to be a viable alternative it, yes you know, it's not like we're talking about it's I sure. cannot believe he's left Pele and Maradona on the bench we, they, they, they weren't flooded with options I do not believe and you know this 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 defeat I'm sorry uh, James I'll get you back in a second this defeat has laid bare a lot, a lot of things that we'd been hiding under under the sort of the mulch of, of a couple of decent results against mid-table teams and, and all the rest of it. The Spurs squad is thin at the moment. Uh, he doesn't trust the two creative midfielders, so he's, we have to play Winks. But I, I take your point that we have, you know, there has to be alternatives. But there were alternatives. He chose not to put them on the football pitch. I hope I speak for for many Spurs fans, not all. Having heard that and having heard Charlie's perfectly reasonable argument that you're playing a much better team, has that made you feel any better or much worse? <laughs> I mean, it hasn't made me feel any better. That's not to say it's necessarily made me feel any worse either. No, I just I just think it's a shame that they've lost that momentum now so clearly. I don't know whether... I mean, Charlie will know better than me, I guess. Is there, is there a kind of bubble situation with under 23 players with regards to like bumping them up into the first team squad at the last minute is that like a sort of COVID difficulty maybe but there are players who will have been training or like Scarlett or someone team. surely I mean I guess you know I, I'm sure some of these players are going to play and we're going to come on to this a bit later some of these players are going to yeah. play at the weekend but I, you know someone like Scarlett I, surely I'm not sure he was available but um, yeah there, there, there would have been someone it does seem odd I mean there's just no situation with which in which Austin is going to come on, is it? I mean, it just seems incredibly unlikely that <laughs> Lloris is going to get injured and Galini is but, going to get injured. No, unless Stuart Pearce is managing and he plays up front. 
Well, that is yeah. true. That yeah. is true. The, the other thing that, that kind of uh, ground my gears a little bit last mm. night, and I did tweet a bit about this, and a few people, I, I think, thought I was talking nonsense. But with 10 minutes to go, Lucas and Son come off. And obviously, you know, it's, it's more come on Sunday. I, I I suspect one or other of those two players probably will end up starting that game or will be needed at some point or whatever. But I, sure. I think it's probably safe to... to squeeze every last drop out of those two players in this game. And yes, they did look tired and, and neither of them had an especially good game. Fine. But once those two players had come off, you could see you could see Tuchel on the touchline waving the entire yeah. Chelsea team like 20 yards up the pitch. Yep. They were so much bolder in that. And obviously in the end, you know, they didn't score in that last 10 minutes. It didn't, it didn't cost Spurs in the end. Fine. But I mean, if, if Chelsea, you know, Chelsea were way bolder in that last 10 minutes than they had been mm. in the first 35 minutes of the second half. And if Chelsea had... Scored a late goal, you know, had that Alonso free kick and a spell of pressure after that, a couple of other half chances. They had the ball in the box a lot more than they had done at any other point in the game in that last 10 minutes. You know, when Spurs had really got a foothold back in the game in the, in the second half, I, I just think they really invited pressure on themselves in that second. I mean, it would have been completely dead at 3-0. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, well, they, I'm, yeah. I'm not especially confident at 2-0. But 3-0, it would have been just game over. Then, then Moore and Son could have got a proper rest in the second <laughs> well, leg because yeah, it would have been done. Maybe that was the thinking. But I, I just, I thought that was, I, I mean, maybe it's easy to be wise after the event with a thing like that. But I just don't really see how, it was Lo and Hill that came on, wasn't it, at the end? Yeah, yeah to be fair, Hill, those two combined for Spurs' best chance. Yeah, I mean, Hill did more in the in the 10 minutes he was on than Son had done in the 80. Son's going through one of those spells where he and the ball appear to be magnetically, whatever the attraction, uh, the opposite of attracting is. And look, I know, I know this was made worse for me. And I've got to be, you know, since we're all being honest today, uh, this was made worse for me by, by my failure to recognise that Morecambe are in League One. I thought they were in the National League. And so I, I thought it was even more preposterous that we should be saving players um, for, for a... A home game against a, a, a team from a pub um, that was going on in my head. It was only pointed out to me later on by the producer. You also was under the same uh, misapprehension that, that they're actually, uh, you know, uh, probably a, a mid-table decent uh, division. They're struggling in League Are One. Are they struggling? Yeah, yeah. That li- li- League One strugglers. League One strugglers, um, Morecambe. Uh, absolutely. And after after Mora. <laughs> Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. this could be more Morecambe. They're twin. Well, club. I was treating them like they're Marines, so apologies there to Morecambe and their fans. I mean, just Danny, on, on I think this does tie into a bit. I mean, Joe Roden is again. It, it just feels like I, I think Joe Roden. Whenever I've seen Joe Roden, I really like him. I think he's impressed. And actually, he came in from the cold for Chelsea away last season and, and did pretty well. There were a couple of shaky moments, but again, it's one of those where that would have been a bit of a punt and it's not hard to imagine just given how little he's played this season Mm -hmm. and it's not hard to imagine him coming into a game of this magnitude and this pace I have to say the view the press box at Chelsea's right on the pitch and the pace was Unrelated. Yeah, they were that Chelsea re- they team. Were good. They, they, they were really good. They smashed into Spurs yeah. early on. So the, I, I don't think it's too hard to imagine that again. That feels like a little bit of a lamb to the slaughter. Chucking in Joe Roden for his first game, pretty much of the yeah. season. And you know, for Con- Conte, we've applauded his meritocracy uh, so far. And for him, you know, Tanganga's done enough uh, in the games he's played to be that kind of next reserve. And you know, when it goes right, we're saying that's brilliant. You know, Conte's getting these performances out of the players. And you, I think there's a degree to which you have to take that rough with a smooth. Let's move on, if we can, for a second to what the manager said after the game. Because there is a lot of, of, of a situation to improve that uh, 
<laughs> we need uh, we need time. We need time and uh, we need time uh, and uh, and patience. And uh, everyone has to to uh, to have patience uh, because I repeat, I think that uh, Tottenham in the last uh, in the last uh, years and. Uh, um, I think uh, the, the level has dropped, has dropped a lot, and now you have to fight. You have to fight for uh, to win every game. And uh, from uh, I started uh, my experience in Tottenham, and uh, every game uh, we and uh, we struggled to win the game. And uh, it wasn't a, a, a game that uh, you can say, okay, today it was easy. But uh, we struggle every game, and we have to know this. It's not simple to tell, okay, we go and uh, we go and transfer market. The transfer market is, uh, in January, uh, it won't be easy. It won't be easy. And uh, now the most important thing is to be focused and to try to to continue to work and to improve because um, the result in the league was good, and uh, we reached the semi final. In the Carabao Cup, and I think that for Tottenham this moment uh, to reach the semi-final is uh, is a good target. Then uh, there is the, the the second leg, and uh, we'll see what happens today. Uh, we we have seen uh, the the difference uh, between the two teams. James, he quite rightly drew a comparison between the two squads, the two teams, and said that there was this vast gap. But it, it, I, I didn't mind him saying that, though, because he, there he's just stating the bald facts, isn't he? The truth. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't think there's anyone kind of labouring under the illusion that, um, that, that Spurs are as close to Chelsea as they were two or three years ago. I mean, obviously, four or five years ago, three or four years ago, they were a better team than Chelsea. I do worry slightly when I hear things like that. Like, like obviously, you know, as, as you said, they're on a bit of a come down now. This group clearly they've had the, the new manager bounce and won a few games against lesser teams, and it's felt like they've got a bit of momentum. There's a few players who had been playing badly who are suddenly playing quite a lot better, and you think, well, there's a positivity there now. Let, you know, as we were saying before, maybe this season could be something good. And I just think like that almost feels like kind of kicking the players when they're down a little bit to me. That, but I don't know what the effect on the, that that what effect that's going to have on the players. Like if the manager's suddenly publicly saying this this group of players, I mean we saw this with Mourinho, right? And mm. we criticised him for it. Mm-hmm. it. I don't. It just feels like a bit of a misstep for me. And, I, and I'm not saying he's wrong. No. And I'm not saying he's criminal. What he said, but I mean, it, it does feel like at that moment when I think there may have been a bit of sort of, I, I don't know, Disconsolation. Yeah. Disconsolation. Yeah. Disconsolation. Yeah. Only on this podcast, by the way. I, yeah. Never mind bloody word or everybody. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I just to me, it felt like that maybe this wasn't the best time for that kind of thing. Maybe that was a better thing to say, like ahead of Morecambe, maybe in a way that. Would G players? What? Then we're not as good as Morecambe. Well, not that they're not as good as Morecambe. (laughs) (laughs) We can't compete. When when reflecting on when reflecting on the Premier League, or are you talking about the FA Cup? You know, in the context of Spurs' priorities over the season, say you can then say we won't compete with Man City, Chelsea, or Liverpool, but yeah, we can beat we can beat Morecambe. (laughs) (laughs) I've made the point in my piece after that it's funny because if it was Mourinho, I think we would all be saying, what are you doing? You're throwing the players under the bus. I mean, Conte did this after the Mora defeat as well. I mean, he is, and you know, regular Conte watchers will know this, he can be very melodramatic, very pessimistic. I mean, 
you know, the way he talked after that Mora game was like, oh dear God, what have I just seen? We are absolutely dreadful. We all may as well go home. And then they obviously went on this really good run and that was all kind of fine. And then last night, I mean, he, you know, he was laying it on thick. It was, you know, it was pretty relentless, you know, there, there was, you know, every game we struggle, he said, and he, he meant, you know, every win is going to be difficult. But he says, I'm like, we'll struggle to get three points this season, which, you know, taking a face value was kind of saying, you know, we're in a dogfight here, but we'll do everything we can to stay in this division. I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm just checking like, the table, see how many points Spurs have got now in case he's serious. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of, yeah, it was kind of that, like, you know, we're not far off the magic 40 point mark, boys. Come on, let's let's dig in. So I, I think there is a degree to which you take it with a pinch of salt, but... You know, I think a lot of what he said people would agree with that they are a million miles off and it's uh, it's good to have someone... I mean, he, he looked humiliated. He looked enraged by the fact they were this far off Chelsea. And I do think for a long time, obviously Spurs were better than Chelsea a few years ago, but for a lot of the last 20 years, this chasm has existed and it's kind of just been accepted with the shrug of the shoulders of, well, you know, yeah, Chelsea are miles better and that's fine. So I think it's encouraging to have someone who feels as keenly as the fans do that you know this is this isn't okay the worry is obviously that this ends in flames because Conte becomes too enraged and the gap isn't closed in the way he wants the other thing I would just say is that you can it doesn't check this defeat and even losing to Chelsea even if between now and May Spurs lose heavily in the league to Chelsea Liverpool and Man City they could still well come forth this doesn't change the fact they're in a really good position still to get fourth. And, you know, you can finish fourth and still be miles off those big no, no, three. We, and for the, the moment, The Premier League is blessed with three absolutely so outstanding sides. We're losing sight of that because Manchester City are running away with the title. But in fact, Chelsea or Liverpool mm. would be winning the title in every other European country except Germany right now. From that point of view, you're oh, right. Yeah. The, the, the stumble at... Um, Chelsea and Liverpool have had in the middle of the pandemic and, and in the, the Christmas sort of football feast, if you like. You shouldn't hide the fact that there are three absolutely outstanding sides all playing together. Um, but, you know, this is a cup game. This is not the Premier League. And they, they need to put out some kind of team to keep themselves in the tie. And interesting to me was that, you know, James is right to say that in the last 10, 10 minutes after the, sub- the latter substitutions, Chelsea were really pushing to get a third to put this thing to bed. Spurs, of course, had retreated to the edge of their own penalty area, settling for 2-0, as though that, that was somehow not the worst thing in the world. I mean, the, the, obviously, the flip of all that, obviously, is that if, uh, you know, they were desperate to not concede a third goal and for the tie mm-hmm. to be completely over, obviously, which, you know, is logical and makes sense. But uh, to me, it feels like in that situation, having had quite a lot of the ball in the, or, or more of the ball in the second half than they did in the first, and yeah. at least had it in kind of good areas, even if they didn't mm-hmm. create loads of chances. Sure. I don't know. To me, to me, it felt like that felt like a bit of a backward step within the context of that game. Given that he's talking about the great big gap, I, I don't suppose um, it should change Spurs that this result, the uh, doom and gloom that surrounds it, the fury that fires this very podcast, should change Spurs' plans uh, for the January transfer window, which we already discussed a little bit uh, here on the View from the Lane. But here's the thing: Spurs have now got not one but two people whose job is to sort out transfers. If I get it, I, mean, I don't know what their phony baloney titles are, but you've got Paritichi and Steve Hitchin. Presumably, Charlie, all these transfers that need to be done have long since been sorted out and they'll all be sort- uh, announced at the weekend because that is two blokes with six months to do the work. 
Yeah, unfortunately, it doesn't quite work like that. And and what? Let me let me write that down. Does not work like that. (laughs) (laughs) People like Hitchin and Paratici would say to you that things can change very quickly, Mm. and as much as you can plan, there are going to be a lot of variables. You know, things like COVID, things like Afcon, things like what competitions teams are in. So, you know, what might be relevant in September is no longer so relevant in January. What about in that November? Said, what about in December? Yeah, it's it's more. It's uh, more. And they'll have been planning and Parati will be on his Blackberry, uh, you said they've iPhone. got a business now, haven't they? It, yeah, unfortunately, Blackberry's got me. He's got those headphones. <laughs> those oh, wired he, he's headphones. He's an iPhone guy, clearly. He's got iPhone. Strictly headphones. iPhone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's still rocking those, uh, the wired yeah. ones. Which I'm actually using today. I use them on my laptop and everything. And very, very becomingly yeah. look as well, I must say. Thank you very much. The white contrasting with the raven tresses of your beard. Mm. Much like Paratici, in fact. Yeah, except you're actually doing some work. <laughs> <laughs> this is my nod to Don Fabio. Um, but there are targets. But there isn't a huge amount for um, for Spurs to spend. And I believe Conte has been made aware of that or was made aware of that when he joined. I mean, but I, I do... I don't know. And I always felt this with Mourinho as well. There were lots of conversations at the beginning and a lot, you know, it was, it, it was a fairly, une- that was a fairly uneasy marriage, I felt. And there might be an extent to which as well, Conte was told these things. It was like, yeah, 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 yeah fine. But secretly thinking, nah, they'll they'll realise, they'll, they'll see it's me yeah. and they'll spend loads of money. Um, and I do wonder if that will come to a head at some point. I mean, I don't, I don't think it will necessarily be January, but I do think next summer, if he isn't backed in a pretty substantial way, then um, there could be fireworks. And there, and there were a lot of people yesterday in the press area listening to Conte, you know, the fact that it was at Stanford Bridge as well with a slight deja vu of, you know, how he just, for, for about his, his last year, spent, you know, warring with the Chelsea board. So it'll be interesting. I mean, look, we spoke about it on... Uh, Tuesday's pod, didn't we? That you know, we expect there will be some signings, but from what I understand, you know, there's money there for one or two, and then it's one in, one out, like a central London nightclub. So we'll see. I wasn't suggesting that uh, Hitchin, Paritici, and uh, no doubt they have uh, uh, minions as well, need to change the entire squad. But I hope, regardless of results, that they they were looking to improve the squad. Let me ask you both. The obvious question before we have a quick break then. Will they what beat Morecambe? Ch- no, no, we'll talk about that. It's a whole, I've got a whole separate <laughs> compartment for what turns out to be a huge game now against massive Morecambe. <laughs> James, what percentage chance the Spurs can turn this around? Um, I, I kind of feel their best chance is going to be to like win 3-1 and then go to extra time. That's probably the most likely way they're going to do that. I, I, I think they're going to struggle to keep it going. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, obviously, Spurs, so Spurs have got Arsenal the weekend after. I don't know who Chelsea have got. It, uh, how hard a game? They've got City. Oh, have they? They've got City. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that 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 may be a factor then if they rotate a little bit. And Arsenal you know, suddenly got a load of games against it? Liverpool either side of the, the North London derby. It's a very yeah. complicated day. And Ch- yeah, Chelsea play City away on the Saturday at 12.30. So it couldn't be better for Spurs. And Th- that's a good point, isn't it? If, Ch- if Chelsea has got a third goal at the end last night, me and Danny would definitely be saying they should be in the second leg. Just play the reserves mm. in yep. the second leg and be completely fresh for Arsenal. Play play Brandon Austin up front. Yeah. Brandon Austin and, up front. Finally give him okay. his chance. And, and put in an appeal to the, to the uh, Court of Arbitration for Sport and get ourselves back into the conference league which i which i know in one report spurs still have the option of appealing even uh, yeah, yeah i know I, I, I like that they they clearly are they clearly care so much that they're taking a month to mull over an appeal yeah. by the way the, the app i use to look at scores and stuff if you look at if you look at tottenham's results over the last sort of whatever it is two months 
I mean, you, you'll be able to see this on the screen. It says mm. there, in red, Spurs lost 3-0 to Wren. It's actually listed as a result. Oh, yeah, I know. Wow. That's yeah. a disgrace. That is, that is bang out of order. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Well, luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Yeah, welcome back from a rather sombre edition of The View from the Lane. I'm miserable Danny Kelly. He's miserable James Moore. And Charlie Eccleshare is there trying to bring at least a ray of sunshine to an otherwise Stygian gloom. Hopefully that will be lifted at the weekend when in the third round of the FA Cup, a competition that once again I think Spurs should take seriously and try to win, they take on Morecambe in North London. Charlie, uh, what's the likely lineup here? Presumably they'll put out anybody who is a fringe player and is fit to play. I would have thought so. I mean, if you're not making wholesale changes for a, gay, a home game <clears throat> against a struggling League One team, then, you know, I think you've got to ask questions. So, yeah, I mean, I imagine, but I, I don't think it will necessarily, <laughs> I don't think we're going to see a bunch of 16 and 17 year olds, but you'd hope we would see Joe Roden, Winks, Celso, Ali, and Dombele, Hill. But I mean, I, I would have thought basically the bench yesterday will come in, Galini as well. Not both goalkeepers, um, though. Yeah, Gillini and Austin playing the goal. <laughs> yeah, so I think it'll be more of that kind of team. Is Bergwijn fit or is he out injured again? Berg, no, Bergwijn's, Bergwijn's injured and I don't think he'll be back for that. Sessignon may be back. So, yeah, I mean, th- those kinds of players, which which will be useful because qu- a lot of them you feel need, um, need some minutes. I mean, it's a really kind tie to have sandwich yes. between... Uh, you know, if if we were talking about, you know, they had a trip up to Burnley or something, we'd be lamenting that. So I think they've got to take advantage of that and give themselves a chance, not only in the second leg, but also with the North London Derby in mind. Next Charlie, time. can I put, can I throw a name at you? Mm. I work with, I'm going to know whether or not this person could be in contention. Jack Clark. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, he's been, 
we've been waiting for the Jack Clark moment for some time, and he's had some good performances uh, for the under twenty threes this season. He played, of course, against Pacos de Ferreira uh, away in in that memorable one 0 defeat. He came on at half time, actually. I'm not sure if he's in contention if he's available right now. I mean, he's had lots of injuries. Whether he would, I mean. I guess with Bergwijn out, there is that possibility. Spurs don't have tons of wingers. You'd think Hill would come in on one flank. It's possible. I, I will look into it. What an amazing thought, James. Uh, <laughs> I am full of that, yeah. Well, yes, um, Jack Clark. You got any more of those? I've just, I've just been trying to work out what my team would be, and I've got a couple of gaps. I'm, ho- I'm hoping Charlie will be able to... Give us what you've got. Gaps. Give us the latest and what right. your team well, would like, be. Gallini will surely play. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be mm. his last game for Spurs, isn't it? Yeah. Sure. Well, Galini, I was looking at this, he's not a million miles off triggering like an automatic So I think when he gets near that, we'll suddenly see these cup appearances right. drying up. So Brandon Austin is going to start. Yes, Brandon Austin, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I kind of hope Spurs aren't going to not play players in the FA Cup, so don't want them to be cup-tied and potentially decrease their value. People like Roden and Doherty who maybe they want to sell. Surely they wouldn't do that. That would be so stupid. Yeah, you wouldn't have thought so. Also, the clubs are going to sign those players. Let's say, you know, you're talking about Roden going to Newcastle. I mean, I don't think the FA Cup is going to be a big factor in a second. I I mean, maybe that's going to come back Let's assume if they're prepared to risk Doherty getting injured, they'll certainly risk him getting cup-tied. So, Well, that's true. He'll play. Doherty will play, yeah. If if Sessegnon's back at left wing back, then what, like Tanganga probably going to play again, I would assume, even though, you know, yeah. maybe he'll find this level against Morecambe. Roden has to play, yep. surely. Yep. And then you're going to have to find another one of those centre-backs because there's not anyone else. So what would it be like Davis or whoever's fittest out of Davis and San... Roden can play on the left of a free, can't he? So you kind yeah. of got a bit of... Well, they could, they could go to a back four, play Sessegnon as a left back because they've got the three... They've got all of La Celso and Dombele and Winks to come in. Yeah, but he should play Hoiberg because he shouldn't play Hoiberg in the second leg. <laughs> We should talk we're, about we're, that. Okay, yeah. we've done well to not mention that up to this point. Yeah, yeah then LaSalle and Delhi play. And then if you've got Hill, Scarlet. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, yeah. And then A yeah, and Abba up I, front. Vinicius. Oh, if only. <laughs> you can pl- no, you can play Delhi Hill on the, nominally on the flanks. And then if, if he's available, Scarlet through the middle. So that's kind of a 4-3-3, even without the need for Jack Clark. Well, I think we were building the team to fit him in. We've got, we've got, we have to rework the whole thing. Which goes to show, I mean, they, they, you know, they should have enough decent players there. Most of those players you mentioned are international footballers. They should have a decent enough team to beat Morecambe. And just to let me check, because I, I, I say all my faith in not just the manager, um, but in you lot as well, has been blasted away by last night's events. James, you do think they should try and win the FA Cup or do you want to bail out like you do of every other competition? Uh, no, they should try and win the FA Cup. Okay, well, that's good to hear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah very, that's, my, that's my honest assessment. Very tradi- traditional view. Thank you very much for that. It's not the easiest competition to win. <laughs> I mean, Yeah, but come on, look at some of the pub teams that have won the FA Cup mm-hmm. in the last sort of 50... Like, Arsenal. With, 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 yeah, exactly, yeah. Look at the teams, you know, I know we talked about this the other week. Look, Arsenal playing Haaland... Whoever they played in Aston Villa and who was the other one they played in the final? Wigan or someone? No, it wasn't Wigan. Aston Villa. Oh no, yeah, Man City. Yeah, or Chelsea, whoever it was. Fine. Chelsea twice. Yeah, and fine. then um, Hull, Hull Aston and Villa. Villa. Oh, it was Birmingham in the League Cup final. That was the other stupid. Yeah, one Portsmouth won it. Not in in it's in living memory. It's 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 all there. Yeah, Wigan, the Portsmouth. Taking. You know, all these clubs that get to the final. Stoke in a cup final more recently. I suppose it's stupid. It's stupid. Let us then end by returning to something that. Uh, 
we forgot, if you like, but which is always bubbling away in the, in the Spurs subconscious. Two years ago, when they brought in Pierre-Emil Hoiberg, he had a really good run of form. And at the start of this season, I've got to hold my hands up. I said that he was one of the three most important players in the Spurs team after Kane and Son. He has great loyalty from his backers on social media. But, Charlie, I'll start with you as the neutral. His form, he has gelatinized. He has ossified, uh, unless I'm mistaken. Um, he appears to be half as mobile as he once was. And his technical skills were shown up by a very, very good Chelsea team. You know, He was terrible against Chelsea. And he's been more and more people have been turning against him. And I think even James might have decided there's enough now with the Hoiberg that he needs a rest. What do you make of it? I did tweet last night that I had kind of come round to the way of thinking of like Spurs Twitter, who have largely been on Hoiberg's case for like sort of a year or so now. And then I remembered afterwards that I tweeted more or less exactly the same thing at halftime of the Arsenal game, when he was also absolutely terrible. Yeah, it's become a bit of a culture war, this, because Hoiberg is like... My mentions last night after tweeting that, honestly, even even now, like 12 hours later, it's an absolute mess. Yeah. But he was awful and I don't care. He's so the epitome of passion and I think as well, some people think he's kind of Mourinho's guy, so there's some scar tissue there. But yeah, he really seems to wind people up and there, there is a big school of thought... A lot of um, Spurs fans just think he's he's so limited and he gets by because he shouts a lot and he's got lots of tattoos and he's this kind of hard man. And then there are those who think that he does bring those qualities of passion and leadership in a team that has sometimes looked a bit callow. There's no getting away from it. Last night, he it's, it's that's the thing. That disguises the fact that last night it was mainly technical failings. He, he wasn't quick enough on the ball. He was getting caught out. There was that... I mean, we talk about the comical second goal, the own goal, but that was foreshadowed by yeah. Yeah, panically whacking the ball at Skip, which then led to a good chance for, um, for Havertz. And the so number of times was... the ball bounced off him, including for the, the free kick just before the second goal, where Sanchez had got back round... Lukaku yeah, won the yeah, ball yeah, yeah. and like hacked, yeah. hacked it back up the pitch and Hoiberg is right there and you know I'm sure you could argue and some people would argue that this was unfortunate but the ball bounced off him and then suddenly uh, Sanchez has to foul Lukaku I mean I wonder whether I mean he was very good in the first half of last season and like I think you have to be like clinically insane to, to deny that yeah, he was also very good in the Euros where he formed a, yeah, a, a, yeah. an interesting pivot with Delaney where they took it in turns to go forward and look very, very good. But I do wonder, it, it, certainly with Spurs, I do wonder whether like he looked good in that Mourinho system where like the game was all in front of him. Like yeah. Yeah, he could kind of shuttle off and do like pay out fires where he needed to. But now the way Spurs are playing, like the game is kind of happening around him rather than up there. And, and it kind of, I don't know whether that overwhelms him slightly. And the other thing is, and I know, and I know, you know, there's another completely separate culture about Oliver Skip on Spurs Twitter. But playing with an inexperienced player in Premier League terms, I don't know whether maybe that does make his life more difficult, perhaps. Who knows? I mean, there is a compilation that's done the rounds of Hoybier. Yeah, and it's it's not pretty. Thing as well, though, Danny, with international football, it is just a lower standard. I mean, like Granit Xhaka had some games at the uh, at the Euros where he looked absolutely world-class. So I think it's a step up asking Hoybier to do that against, certainly against teams like Chelsea. You don't Chelsea. think Denmark, that Denmark team would beat Spurs? No. 
Okay, well, uh, unfortunately, uh, until Arsene Wenger organises a club versus country <laughs> tournament and with a massive TV contract, we'll never get to find out. That I could get behind, but who would Hoybier <laughs> play for? Would they clone him? Well, uh, I, I once wrote a piece in the, in the Times of London, the old Thunderer, about the possibility of cloning nine Michael Owens. That's how long ago uh, I, was, I was writing <laughs> wow. that. Yeah, this wasn't 2015, yeah. was it? It certainly wasn't. Yeah. Um, and I, I, for, for Spurs fans of, a, of an older generation, like myself and some of our listeners, no doubt, our down, downloaders, subscribers, watching Pierre-Emile when he's having the kind of spell he's having now, where it's passion, pointing at the badge, the ball bouncing off his knee. Two names to throw into the pot here. Stefan Freund and Michael Brown. And anyone who watched Spurs teams with those two gentlemen, Freund, of course, still turns up among the away fans. He's a great fella, apparently. Um, watch those two gentlemen and know that that cannot be the standard of Spurs midfield players. We started with the standard of Spurs players. Let's end there as well. Hopefully, the young players and the out-of-touch players and those consigned to the outer darkness of the transfer window will do well against Morecambe. Hopefully, therefore... Um, whichever of us have come to represent the view from the lane uh, next Monday um, will be in slightly cheerier form and the hat will be at a more jaunty angle on our heads. I hope so anyway. Thank you, Charlie. Uh, thank you, James. Thank you all for listening. Come on, you Spurs there. I knew I could make myself say it um, even after that horrible defeat. See you all soon. And don't forget, if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can read all of our articles on Spurs and everything else on the site by going to The Athletic. Uh, dot com forward slash Spurs pod. And right now you can get 33% off a full subscription. We'll be back on Monday. Again, thanks for listening. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.